All right, Woke Wasted, we are back with the beautiful dynamic duo of Zach and Neil, filled bum, with bum, news bum. of jorts and all sorts of things. So what's going on, brother? Dude, you literally started a sentence to me maybe five minutes ago, and you were just like, speaking of jorts, or like speaking of jean shorts, and I feel like <laughs> Neil is probably one of the only people in the world who could unironically, ironically say that. Yeah. You know, it was actually a really cool morning because I complained to Spirit the night before about just like, dude, what the heck? <laughs> I'm working my face off. I've done so much. I'm like complaining. And then the next morning, going I have no jeans. are like, we owe it. you things. And so things are going to happen. We're going we're gonna to hook you up. There, there's some like, <laughs> we got you. And then that day, I went to my acupuncturist, got a free session, free herbs, free energy Ooh. healing. I contacted my company that I got my jorts from because they both ripped down the middle and they're made for thicky thick thighs that are made to be able to squat. And they didn't do that. You got a donk on you, so. I got a donk. And I got two new pairs of jorts on the way. And I got another one-year membership to my gym. Oh, shit. It was like the sickest day. (laughs) Is your gym the denim barn? Do you just go lift pallets (laughs) of jeans all day? (laughs) Yes. Actually, I would love that. That would be so cool. I would rather go there than a normal gym. So honestly, just like cowboy boots made of denim, yeah. shirts made of denim, Everyone handkerchiefs made of denim, <laughs> throwing hay and wheelbarrows, and uh, actually, that's be a awesome. total blast. <laughs> that's awesome. <clears throat> I didn't have anything like that happen, but what I did do for the first time this weekend is watch Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> for oh, the first there we time. go. <clears throat> so here's how this happened. Um, I need, I feel like I need to give an interlude to, to how this or do you, <laughs> or do I, or just flat out end of sentence. I watched Brokeback Mountain. So I like watch a lot of YouTube when I eat my lunch. Cause it just helps me space the fuck out and not worry about what's going on. And I was watching like one of those GQ so-and-so explains their most iconic characters. And I saw Jake Gyllenhaal's and they of course showed a scene from Brokeback Mountain because like, that's his most famous movie. And I was like, dude, this movie looks like really fucking good. Actually, this like I've never, you know, when I, it came out when I was a teenager and I was just like, I'm not going to go watch a movie about gay cowboys as a teenager. <laughs> That's just not how that works. And so I've been wanting to watch it for a few weeks and I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, okay, like I want to watch it, but I don't want to watch it by myself, but I can't like ask one of my guy friends like, Hey bro, you want to come over and watch Brokeback Mountain with me? Not like, call me for that, dude. <laughs> I can't do- you're too far away. I would have drove up just for that. It would be a lot more like Brokeback Mountain because it's kind of like a long distance relationship that we have. Oh. Like you're out in Wyoming, like I'm out here in Texas. Someone oh, out there really thinks you and Mountain. I are just full lovers. <laughs> and we are, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, would you be the Jake Gyllenhaal or the Heath Ledger character? Dang, you was Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger in that movie? Uh, dude, that movie is like, there were so many other people in there who were like wildly famous. Uh, dang. I guess I'm driving up and rewatch it with you. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would. I don't know. I can't remember. Too. Actually, I watched it a long time ago, and I just remember like I don't know what's going on. I don't, so. <laughs> I don't get. I don't get it. There was a lot. Like one thing about that movie that I really liked. I'm gonna just go off on film critic Zach mode. Is that they they did so much with so little dialogue in that movie, like the way that it was directed and the way that Jake Gyllenhaal and like Heath Ledger both can act non-verbally it was unbelievable like it was so dense with like emotion and shit like that and they didn't even they hardly said any words that's cool i actually love movies like that where it's like maybe like a single character or like three characters or just like minimal 
scenery or whatever and it's all about the acting or there's mm-hmm. minimal language and it like it those are always some of the very best movies so yeah if if you guys didn't know out there neil and i clearly are not uh visually disabled like we're not blind so so if that wasn't already <laughs> abundantly aware <laughs> now you know we like okay. to watch films for the cinematography and i just actually just watch with my third eye so i actually close oh, my eyes damn. and meditate through the movie and just the energetics you're like damn this is real technicolor a lot of geometrical shapes. <laughs> not, not a lot of people. <laughs> Actually, it just means I'm asleep. <laughs> so just powering out a nap. So on with your story, sir. No, that was pretty. I mean, that was pretty much it. I, I told one of my friends that I didn't want to like say that. Basically, he had the same response that you did. I was like, I can't just ask one of you guys to come over and watch Program Mountain with me. And he just spun his head and looked at me and he was like, listen, <laughs> I will come over and watch that movie with you, but it's got to be a no pants dance or whatever the fuck you said. I, I think I know which friend this is. <laughs> Dude, it could have been, honestly, it actually could have been like could any be, of your friends. It could have been just about any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have bromances. I don't have friendships. We'll put it that way. Yep. There you you are just full of love, sir. That's, oof, yeah, full of man love. So, <laughs> especially <laughs> my now life, that you're done. My life has a lot of chest hair. That's cool. We'll put it that way. <laughs> So today we wanted to get into a sticky point in the spiritual journey. We wanted to get into a sticky point in, in life for a lot of us, I'm sure. You know, it's something that we all kind of have to come up against and when we're on the, the journey of awakening and of becoming more open channels for love. And that is spiritual ego. Uh, it is, and if you, for those of you who don't know what spiritual ego is, Neil, do you want to um, give them a little breakdown. Sure. I don't know what my breakdown is, <laughs> but sure. God damn it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those. Um, I mean, you can think about ego in like the personal lens of your own ego. Right. And it's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Neil, Neil's like in a moment. So Zach, you can go ahead. <laughs> okay. I tried to play hot potato with Neil. He was too busy scratching his chest to, to be was, ready to I'm like catch the hot potato. My jorts. <laughs> So like Neil was kind of alluding to, just like the the concept of ego, um, ego essentially not being soul-based self, not being like higher-based self, um, being more insecure, more fragile, taking its, deriving its value in comparison to other things and other beings, right? That's usually how the ego does it. So if you want to extrapolate that out and think like spiritual ego, it is the ego or the like the relative value-based identity that we derive from our spiritual practice, right? And it's an ironic thing because the spiritual practice is supposed to be one of continually surrendering the ego or letting go of the ego's grip on your behavior and on your feelings, right? So spiritual ego is basically how you how you value yourself in relation to other people who are on the spiritual path and your, you know, your dedicatedness, your spiritual practice, or like the types of spiritual wisdom that, you know, and all these different things, right. It's like a way, it's a form of comparison and it's a pitfall for many of us. We paused. I had a truck beeping in my background and I was explaining to Zach how I was getting like layers of like where this episode was going. And I just started making noises. And I was just saying, there's these layers coming in of like, there's this part of this podcast episode, this part and it's going woo, 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 woo back to me. And I just had to say that because I wanted to make those noises. <laughs> it I, was not to, relevant to, which, to this episode at all. <laughs> I exclaimed to Neil, sometimes you can only describe spirituality through noises. You can. 
Of course, I went off on like this whole meta thing in my head where I was like, well, so, you know, words are noises. And then of course, naturally we communicate through words. And I just like began, I just, you know, spiritual douchebag just went full into it. You know, I've been going through a bunch of Lemurian like awakening and exploration of Lemuria. And they mm-hmm. basically just communicated more so through noises and pitch and tone than in any sort of what we would call language. Really interesting. Mm. I make, I, I usually think of Lemuria as like, mermaids so that makes a lot of sense. i mean i know they're not but like that makes a lot of sense to me <laughs> my paradigm call me merman baby <laughs> Derek zoolander out here so there's my spiritual ego so what what what's your experience that you've been having come up with spiritual ego i know it's yeah so you know as we like phase through different areas of like our spiritual development and or rather i should say just different things that are within us that come up that seek to be cleared so spiritual ego is one of the things that's been coming up for me a lot lately Um, I have been doing, I have been doing a lot of surrender work, doing a lot of like letting go, uh, as outlined in some of David Hawkins books, like letting go the pathway to surrender. And if you're familiar with like the process of actively, actively surrendering sounds like a paradox, but like bringing conscious awareness to the process of surrender, then you'll understand that (laughs) your emotions in some ways, or these stored emotions are kind of like children. And it's like, if you're a school teacher and you hand one kid a cookie, every kid is going to want a cookie. So you're, you better be ready to just start doling out diabetes and just like handing out cookies like crazy. So I started doing a process of letting go and surrendering some of my, like some of my stored kind of like emotions and insecurities and things like that, because I'm on break right now and I have time to do so. And all of these things just started bubbling up to the surface. Like I just like tapped a spring of water underneath the surface of the, of the earth. And so a lot of like insecurities were coming up a lot of like, just like a feeling of energy of insecurity. It wasn't even about anything in particular, just like all sorts of stuff bubbling up. And naturally one of our ego defenses for insecurity is to start bolstering the ego by looking at other areas of life where you're excelling or looking at other skills that you have where you're excelling. And so for me, like I consider, you know, by spiritual practice and, uh, being a channel for spiritual wisdom and all that kind of stuff as like one area where I feel that I excel. So naturally I started to like kind of put more weight into that. Um, started reading more spiritual books, started like, you know, meditating more, contemplating more and all that kind of stuff and realizing how deep of an attachment I have or had or whatever you want to say to where I fall in relation to other people in terms of my spiritual development And naturally, this is like a very conscious awareness of like, ah, you know, that's not like, that's not something that I want to have. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be attached to that because I understand that it's a pitfall for me. But that is definitely something that's been coming up a lot lately. And I remember this being a subject we talked about maybe like last fall. Like, I remember Mm -hmm. getting a message from you and, and, you know, we, we started to jam about this a little bit. So do you see like there's an evolution of this process since that moment? I mean, like with anything, we've, we've talked about spiral dynamics on the podcast before. And just the idea that <clears throat> if time is like a circle, then it's kind of like, it's, it's like a circle with like layered patterns. Right. And so our, our healing process is a similar way. It's kind of like a spiral upwards. So if you're at one point on the circle, let's say like, if you took a circle and labeled it like a clock, let's say you're at noon, <clears throat> you are struggling with some, something, whether it be like jealousy or insecurity or anger or 
uh, narcissism or whatever it might be, right? And you begin to release it and let it go. It's like you're moving up the spiral. And eventually you'll release that to a point where it doesn't really come up for you very much anymore. And then all of a sudden you'll reach 12 o'clock on the circle, but like a little bit higher up. And it, the, those same patterns will start to resurface in different ways, in different energetic ways, because they're lighter, they're evolved, but the underlying patterns are still there in some significant enough way. And you keep doing this continually until you've surrendered that karma. So yeah, like I would say, you know, it's, it's definitely resurfacing in a different way. I have done work on it. Um, I think that, <clears throat> I mean, and it's kind of, it doesn't exist interdependent from anything in my life. So as from the point of last year, as I've done a lot of surrender work, as I've done a lot of spiritual work, like my, I would say just my self-esteem in general has gotten a lot better. So there is less of like a hunger or less of a need for that, like for that spiritual development to like make me worth something in my eyes. That being said, there's still like a really deep interest in knowing those types of things. It's like this, um, yeah, it's just like, just kind of one of those, like, it's like when you get a test score back and you're like, what did, what was my test score? Like you almost don't even care about like what other people got. You just like have this idea in your mind of what you want it to be. And you want to see if, if, you know, where you fall in comparison to that. Yeah. You know, I was thinking that you just about the spiral dynamics piece of it and how it's going to come up in different ways, right? Healing is never linear. You just go through the process of it and it changes and evolves every time it comes up, it comes up with less weight. It comes up with more weight, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, as a testament to all the work that you've done, what I'm kind of feeling through for this is a, the subject you and I have talked about several times now of to be able to continue our path and be able to move to higher states of spirituality and consciousness and connection. Mm-hmm. There is the rebalancing in order to do that. And it's like, okay, I am going higher. I am going through my expansion. And in order to do that, I have to let go a little bit more and letting go of that ego creates the space for this expansion to occur. And I think that's been the story both times. It's like, for me, I'm thinking of this as like, whenever I go through a breaking point where like I spirit pushes me to break down, it's right Mm -hmm. when things are about to just explode open. And every time it's, that's what's been on the other end of it. And this feels like a similar piece for you. Yeah. Well, you actually described this to me. It was probably, it was during my first year of medical school. I was like, Mm -hmm. it was not too long after we met and I was like really going through something. I was like really, really feeling like low, very insecure about something. And you were describing it to me from your psychological lens of extinction Mm -hmm. behaviors. And you were like, this is an extinction behavior. Like this thing that you felt that you were getting better at, like the thing that you felt like you were struggling less and less with is suddenly flaring up because it's being relinquished or it's being transformed. It's that final like cry to be seen and stick around before it kind of pops and releases. Yeah. So they do experiments with this where they take mice and they get them addicted to sugar because sugar is actually the most addicting thing on the planet. It's not like meth or heroin um, or watching Brokeback Mountain by yourself. It's actually your gaze. That is the most addicting thing on the planet. It is your gaze. Thanks, boo. It's actually, it's, it's when you put your finger up to the camera and boop my nose spiritually. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the second or third time today. So they get these mice addicted to sugar and then they start cold turkeying the mice off of the uh, sugar. 
I got myself so confused saying turkey and mice in the same sentence. I almost really lost myself there. So, so they, get, they get these mice um, weaning off of the sugar or cold turkeying off the sugar. And, you know, they see that the mice still go up to the, the little feeding thing at the same time every day. And then the, the frequency of it ramps up because they start basically becoming junkies. They start, they stop going from the metered out time to like, okay, well, I'm just going to show up whenever to see if I can get sugar. And then I'm going to really make my demands known. And by the end, like they are freaking out. They're like scratching the walls or trying to escape. They're fighting each other. It's going, they're going crazy. Like they're straight up junkies. And then all of a sudden they just stop wanting sugar, but it really builds up to that crescendo first. And I think that that's kind of something you and I are speaking to when it comes to the healing process. That it slowly builds up into a crescendo and it gets louder and louder and louder until it stops. Damn. Then that voice acting, ladies Boom. and gentlemen, <laughs> you're busy. Yeah. You know, so does it feel like that is something that's popped for you yet and kind of is on the release side of it? No, okay. <laughs> no, I have, I have a lot of work to do on this. Um, it's a phase right now. It's definitely a phase. Like, you know, I, I have, um, what I will say is I have like a lot of fear about, maybe not even fear. I don't really know how to describe it, but I have some kind of emotion that, mm-hmm. that I'm, that I'm not a huge fan of about the possibility of becoming like one of those spiritual teachers who like, like, you know, like you think of the, um, what is the, not, not Bikram, was it Bikram yoga? Oh yeah. Bikram. Yep. It was. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not that guy for sure, but like I have that fear of like letting the kind, this kind of stuff get to my head. Right. And becoming somebody who doesn't have like the utmost integrity. And so it's something that I'm like ever watchful for. And I see this like desire. I see this like one area as like a weak point in the chain, right? Like a weak point in the armor, a place of temptation. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, that's really interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just, just gonna, I was just gonna say it's like star Wars where like Anakin, you know, has that, has Padme as like his weak spot to the dark side. And that's why like, yo, dude, this is why we don't date in the Jedi order. Like, yeah. <laughs> we can't we can't do it man and that's kind of how i feel that's the one thing that'll drag you to the dark side but with that great power it's like with great power comes great responsibility sort of thing and you know your crutches and you know the things that'll pull you into that and it just makes me think of the idea that i've been talking about with a lot of people recently it's come up in several different channelings and messages and sessions and it's the idea that the whatever word you want to give it weaknesses are the things we struggle with Uh, The things that we kind of view as more negative, you know, when you flip that coin, those things are also the things that show us so much about our power. And there's this phrase of let your triggers bring you to your power. It's not the right word, (laughs) wording of of the way I channeled it, but um, it's, it's around that concept of like, your triggers are really trying to show you the things that are some of your greatest gifts. So if we're struggling with, say, self-worth, you know, that we could look at it from the lens that we're actually seeing how great our self-confidence could be, actually is at another point in our life mm-hmm. or through the lens of our soul that's already there waiting to come through. And so it's not quite triggered by having a little self-worth, but triggered by knowing this aspect of ourselves that we are becoming. Mm, that's 
That's really, that's really good shit. That's very profound. Like you think about it, I mean, like, for example, like I don't, I don't get insecure mm-hmm. when I see people playing basketball who are really good at basketball. I'm like, right. I have, I have no, <laughs> no concept in my mind that I'm ever going to be a good basketball player, nor do I want to be. Um, I can just kind of admire it for, for what it is in its purest form. Um, and I'm sure that there are plenty of things where you have that. So I'm, I'm actually curious, like what areas of your life do you consider these like quote unquote triggers, the things that you see in yourself that are kind of underdeveloped or like the things that you know that you could have a great deal of success or aptitude in. And I get to like the triggers for these things kind of come up because you're like, well, I could be that. And the only thing that's keeping me from being that is like my fear of failing Mm -hmm. or something like that. So like, what are those things for you? Yeah. Fear is my one biggest grip that gets in the way of everything for me. Um, If there is one thing for me, it's always been social confidence, you know, as an introvert, Mm -hmm. as someone who's really empathic. Um, Actually, I think this is for a majority of the world, actually. But for me, my story was like, I'm not cool enough. I'm not that fun guy. I'm not this person. And there's a level of the ability to really command attention and hold it in a way that just is engaging. I also know that I am exactly that. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I was younger, I couldn't see that. As I move through my path, I know that I know certain aspects of myself. I know aspects of my path. I know what it is I do and how I do it. And I can see the evolution, the story arc of how that develops. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, it's like if I see someone who's, you know, just like the coolest guy ever, in the past, it would just be like, just the biggest trigger for me. And it'd also be like, you know, like fuck that guy. <laughs> there's, there's that like defense mechanism that comes out and it's like, dude, absolutely, like, yeah. you know, he's just a freaking tool. Like he's just, just yeah. loves the attention and da, 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 da. Yeah. You start so pointing out the areas that, like, that you think are deficient. Myself. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, but inside you're like, I want to be a fucking tool. <laughs> yeah. And there's inside, there's the craving for that. And there's also like, what I didn't realize was the knowing that that is a great aspect of myself. And so it becomes an even greater trigger. Now mm-hmm. it's a different relationship. I can see that and I can admire that with other people and also acknowledge that within myself. And it's now, almost like you still can acknowledge comes up, it. but <laughs> that's yeah, it's almost like, like you can acknowledge it because you've started that process. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're doing something about it and you're like, okay, yeah. I can like admire this in other people because I see myself as on the way to developing that. Whereas and I can be happy for other people's success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because really you kind of feel guilt or shame about like not beginning the path being like, I'm too scared to start. Like I'm too scared to fail. So I'm not going to start. And then you really just feel like ashamed of yourself. Like, and so that's, that's really where that's coming up where it's like, oh, I feel insecure about this because I feel ashamed of myself for not starting, for not developing this or for not being where I think I should be. Um, when, when really like this is being brought up for you by your guides or by, you know, source or whatever it might be, you know, your higher self to just kind of highlight to you areas that you should put some of your attention on. Mm-hmm. And I will like asterisk that and say, you're not necessarily meant to put attention on the negative feeling in the sense that like that shouldn't be the focal point like you should certainly do the work on that negative feeling you should certainly do the shame work or the guilt work and you know the process i like to use is the letting go technique which is really just uh paying honestly paying less attention to your thoughts about an emotion and really just placing your awareness on the sensation of that emotion in your body and allowing it to just be as it is and you'll find that the the charge kind of releases and uh, you can you can transcend the emotion. 
Um, but, but really like putting your area on that, like putting your focus on that area of life is what your guys are really trying to get you to do. Yeah. And I think this is a nice way, like, you know, the trigger has become such a loaded word in our communities and the way we say it and how we use it. But the, what you're saying is like, let's take the weight off of the word trigger and let it just be something like it is. It's a little trigger. It's a little flag. It's not this whole emotional response behind it that carries all this weight and all this energy that's really difficult. Da, 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 da. Like it's meant to be just a little moment of a catalyst to bring this awareness to this thing for us to see it and then to be able to move through that in whatever way we need to. So it doesn't have to be this whole weighted heavy thing. It's a moment of awareness. Yeah. What I will say is that like the moment of the trigger and like you're saying, like I also, I'm not a huge mm-hmm. fan of this word or just like the way that it's been used or overused or whatever, popularized. But the the moment itself is not like this huge tidal wave of emotion or anything like that. But it usually does signify that there is a huge tidal wave or like a huge subterranean lake of emotion that's beneath the surface and there's so much pressure coming up from it that it's like spurting out as like a trigger, right? Or it's like a, if you go to Yellowstone, for those of you in the States, like a geyser is shooting up. Yeah, like Old Faithful or something like there's yeah. just so much pressure underneath the surface that it kind of comes up. Um, and it it, uh, it gives you, it's almost like a lighthouse of awareness for you to kind of look at and go, okay, that's the direction that I'm heading in. And there is something here that I can do some deeper work on. There's something here that I can, that I can bring up to the surface. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is our message. We've said this since the very beginning of woke waste of like, we got to give the space for these things to come up and you Mm -hmm. begin to take the weight and the pressure off of it because what you're really feeling is it's screaming to try to come to life and be heard and be felt. And we ignore Mm -hmm. it, you know, you get the geyser. It's just trying to push its way through a crack and it comes rushing out with all this pressure. Whereas you just kind of, put a couple holes in there and it begins to flow out and it's probably gonna be a lot at once. And then it just slowly fades and drizzles and turns into a little dribble until like, you're good. A little dribble. A little dribble. So the, the thing, dribble, one of the last things I really want to talk about, cause it seems like a kind of a ripe area to, to speak to is desire and where our desires come from. Because like we're talking about a trigger can be a good signifier for like, okay, there's like, uh, you know, a, a storehouse of emotion here that we can get into and that we can, that we can release, that we can surrender with grace or maybe not, maybe not grace. But one of the things like I was speaking to earlier in the podcast is like, okay, I started desiring something because I was feeling insecure about something else. So there are two things that I want to speak to about desire. And that's the first one, which is like, where do your desires come from? So like, I, I mean, I would feel, I think that not that I think that I know that desire is a lower vibrational emotion and it always comes from some area of deficiency and it comes from some area of separation, right? To desire something is to declare yourself as separate from it, right? We think that our desires actually draw us closer to things when in actuality, our desires declare to the universe that we see ourselves as separate from that thing and that we would be more whole and complete with that thing, right? <clears throat> so we can begin to understand that and we can begin to surrender our desires. And in the surrendering of, of our desires, we actually collapse any mental sets or any mental programs that declare us as separate from a thing. And we can be in unobstructed flow and relationship with that thing, which is actually what draws it to us. Another thing to consider is like I said earlier, 
thinking about maybe where your desires come from, because surrendering the desire is like a great start. It's a great place to, to begin to do some of this surrender work, but there is a reason the desire came up. There's something that you're trying to avoid or something that you're trying to move away from, be it an insecurity, be it uh, a difficult relationship with somebody, be it anger or whatever it might be, right? Like you might get angry and then think you need a drink or desire a cigarette or something like that and move away from the anger and move away from the uncomfortable emotion. Or you might be insecure about your appearance and then suddenly want um, a new car or like, a, you know, a new dress or a new pair of jeans or whatever it might be. You might, you know, all of a sudden desire to get a tattoo or whatever that thing might be. So looking at where these desires are coming from can allow you to move towards releasing, um, releasing other things. So one of the things I love about that is um, the importance of knowing where it is that comes from. For me, I actually, when I talk about looking at your desires, I look at it from the opposite lens of where are they taking you? And it's not from the deficiency lenses, more so where is it taking you in the forward progression toward your soul and the soul aligned self? So we're thinking of it like the cotton eye Joe way. Mm -hmm. Where does it come from? Where does, where does it, it, go? it go? Where does it come from? <laughs> Woke, wasted, bro. Oh, nice. Hey, look at you. <laughs> yeah. Look at you. Ladies and gentlemen, Neil will be starting his freestyle hip hop career in about uh, uh, May 12th at noon. So I was going to say three seconds tuning. and Zach's going to beatbox. <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> but I do have a folded up cardboard box in my car. If you want to have a break dance fight later, we can do that. Let's do it. I'm actually just going to make a little fort tent. So <laughs> ah, I'm way better with that. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll watch our, our love movies together under the, you want to, you want to come over and watch Brokeback mountain and pitch a tent with me. Yep. <laughs> under the tent as we pitch it. <laughs> uh -huh. um, anyways, to what we were talking about. I mean, I think this is a really important piece, right? It's identifying where it is. This desire is coming from. And most of the time to your point, Zach, like that's going to be the most common response. It's going to be an ego-based desire. And that comes from the deficit of there's something that needs to be seen, addressed, work. There's a need that I'm trying to meet from you know these past wounds, these past events, these experiences that I've had in the past. But on the other end of that, you know, what I'll always say is, all right, drop yourself into your heart. Take a breath, connect to your heart, breathe into it, bring your hand to your heart, touch it, and ask yourself, what do I want? And that's usually the way to then drop out of the ego and see what is it that you're truly craving and where is it that your soul is taking you on a secondary lens of that is also like desires. You know, I think one of the things that we're getting to is if you look at the things you're desiring, go one layer deeper, there's a need underneath that. So what is that need that this desire is trying to fill? And most of the times it's, it's going to be meeting the need of this past moment emotional weight that we're carrying and that's what manifests as an ego desire as an ego need mm, yeah like our strivings <clears throat> our strivings in life are in many ways derived from our wounds or our deficiencies mm -hmm. one of the things that i wanted to speak to that i that i liked about that was the the heart exercise that we're talking about and we've advocated for dropping into heart many many times on this podcast I wanted to look at it really quickly from a different lens. You had, you had talked about putting your hand on your heart and then saying, what is it that I want? And one way, the, the first thing that popped up for me was putting your hand on your heart and then saying or, or asking, what is it that spirit is trying to bring to me? What is it that spirit's trying to gift me, right? 
um, and that for me took the lens out of desire. It's no longer what do I want. It's no longer what am I craving or trying to bring to myself. It's like, what does the universe want for me? What is the universe trying to gift me in abundance? And in that, I can I can suddenly remove desire because desire is the old paradigm. It's the way that it's the thing that makes you work your ass off and grind and grind and grind to try and get something. But the universe is trying to gift me something. And I know that the way the universe works is when it tries to gift me something, I will be excited about it. I will feel fulfilled by it. I will be, I will feel gifted by it and abundant. So all I have to do now is ask what the universe wants for me, what it's trying to bring me. And then I can do the work of releasing any desire that I actually have for that thing. And these are just different lenses of looking at the exact same thing. Um, and I think that they kind of satisfy different, uh, different aspects of ourselves. We'll say, I mean, just on the final theme of this and looking at spiritual ego, I actually don't think it's bad, but it's, you got to make sure you're looking at how it's expressing and where that's coming from. Because if you are showing up in a very egoic way, then, you know, that's, we got to look at that. But I think for some people as well, who've done a lot of release work, and this is my, my story too, which is why this comes out of me. Mm -hmm. Now I grew up without too much of an ego and everything outwardly focused. There's a level of importance to also develop. A, what I'll say is a balanced ego. So, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe in yourself as spirit, spirit through you, you know, just honestly deny any, any aspect of yourself and the power that spirit created as you, mm -hmm. we're going to, we're going to limit ourselves and also do a disservice to spirit and disservice to the world. So it's just a I matter agree. of where you are in this path. I, I agree. I think that, I mean, while we're here, like in, in, on the earth or on this planet or on this plane, like you have an ego, like you can't, yeah. I may be at the very highest levels of spiritual development on this plane that you can actually transcend it. But you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, the 0.0001% of souls who come here for the service of the planet. Um, <clears throat> for, for most of us, we have an ego. And so denying the ego isn't the way to to grow spiritually on the same note though we can't necessarily give a ton of weight to the ego right like we yeah. I, I see it almost like i see it like a friend like it's like okay well you know I, I have this desire i have this emotion i have this anger i have this whatever this whatever it's coming up and understanding that i'm not that thing that this is an experience of incarnation this is an experience of the life that i'm living and those impulses aren't what I am. They aren't who I am. And therefore they don't actually control my actions if I don't want them to. And I don't think that like ego or spiritual ego is a bad thing. Like I think that very few things um, are bad things, but ultimately in the work of transcendence, even that must be let go. Like all, like the way I, th I think about it from like the ultimate viewpoint, it's like, if, if that's where you're at now, like honestly, no judgment, at all like we've wherever you're at right now we've all fucking been there in some in some form or another um not your exact situation but we've all had similar emotions uh but at the end of the day you know at the end of the the path or whatever it might be is another path but at the end of at the end of the path is is transcending Olympic road yeah exactly is transcending all of these things is letting them all go is relinquishing the weight or the hold that they have over your actions and over your your feelings yeah, and I think that's that's the take home. That's the most important piece. Is that's what we're trying to work through the most through anything. I mean, that's the human experience. Mm -hmm. Taking away the weight and grip that anything holds over us. Yeah, and I think what I'll say is like 
as you release, this is back to the spiral dynamics, right? As we release, we are then actually developing a more whole ego, but that's mm-hmm. not the goal, right? To develop that ego is not the goal. The goal, you know, for we'll say like the goal is to consciously intentionally release and let go. And that in turn is what creates this outcome. And it's just that it's a byproduct, which is, uh, which is actually like, it can be a tough area when you're working through surrender, because you have mm-hmm. this one area, this one part of you that understands if I surrender this desire, if I surrender this this holding onto this thing, if I surrender this attachment to this thing, it's actually going to come to me. And I know mm-hmm. that. Like this, what whatever it is that I'm seeking, whatever it is that I see myself as incapable of garnering for myself, as soon as I let go of the desire for it, as soon as I let go of the longing and the holding, it will naturally gravitate towards me. And so it's hard to, you have to first let that go. You have to first let go yeah. of of that resistance of that understanding, because that will be something that kind of gets in the way of you actually relinquishing it. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm letting go of this desire so that I can have this thing. Right. And it's the, the same thing. It's like the desire looping on itself in a paradoxical way. So you have to be mindful, not careful, but mindful of that. Mindful of your intention ultimately. Yeah, exactly. And I intentionally love you and I intentionally love this audience. So Brother, I intentionally love you and denim and this audience. And I would intentionally love this audience even more if we all just had like a denim day. Just head to toe, denim, denim cowboy hats, denim ascots, denim socks. And some cowboy boots and spurs. Naturally, did denim covered spurs. <laughs> it make right. a lot of noise. <laughs> and that's that's where my intention is going. So I'm, I'm going to try to cultivate that. So audience. I'm going to go surrender that desire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cultivate it. You're going to surrender it. Sounds real right. Hey, yo. Uh, all right. Well, I love you, Zachy. Audience, love I love you. you. It's been beautiful. Adios. <laughs>